TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Today's special is Memphis Soul Stew. I can't stand the rain. I'm a rep this here till I walk up on death down in Memphis. Yeah, Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee. 901 Shelby Drive, look alive, look alive. Down in the sweet old Memphis, Tennessee, y'all. Welcome to Memphis Musicology, the official podcast of the Memphis Rock and Soul Museum. As always, I'm your host, Ezra Wheeler. So today's show is going to be a bit of a hodgepodge, but I think it'll be a good one. Uh, So in just a moment, I'll be joined by Mempho Music Festival founder, Diego Weingartner, who's here to tell us a bit about what to expect from this year's festival, his motivation in starting it, and what he thinks makes a great large-scale festival. I'm also going to do a quick rundown of each of this year's Memphis Music Hall of Fame inductees, which were announced last week. And then we're going to jump over to the crate to dissect an album from one of those very same inductees. Before we jump into things, though, I do want to thank everyone out there who voted Memphis Musicology as the best podcast in the Memphis Most competition. I'm extremely excited to announce that we did take home an award for Best Local Podcast, which is a very real honor. So thank you all so much for your support, for listening, and for voting. Also, shout out to the ladies at the Surf Memphis Pod as well. They're... uh, my, my partners here on the OEM network, they also took home an award and they do a great job. So check them out if you haven't already. Anyway, uh, with all of that being said, we're going to get started with my conversation with Diego Weingartner. Thanks so much for joining me, Diego. Hey, Ezra. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on that award. Hey, That's thank fantastic. you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Congratulations. Well, well deserved, I'm right. sure. Well, thank you much. So um, before we jump into anything too specific let's just go over the the gist of what mempho is when it is um yeah let's just start there so so the dates are october 6th and 7th it's columbus day weekend mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's gonna, a saturday and sunday saturday and sunday uh it's going to be held at shelby farms park uh which if you're from memphis you should know where that is that's right <laughs> if you don't then get out there and check it out because it's spectacular real gym absolutely an asset for the city um it's columbus day weekend so hopefully uh there'll be a lot of folks coming out and you know, we're trying to get a lot of people to come in from out of town as well. Um, sure. So we're excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is the second year. Um, first year was a success. I, w- I was able to make it one night. I had a great time. Everyone I know Which made night it. did you catch? I went on Saturday night. Okay. So that yeah. was the caged elephant. Night. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's that was, right. That was amazing. It was, it was wonderful. So I'm really excited about this year, but yeah, I know there's a few changes. Um, Camping being one of them. Most notably camping. Most notably camping, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the first time that the park's actually allowed camping at that, certainly at that scale. Very um, cool. So we're, we're pretty, uh, pretty pleased about that outcome, and we think it's going to add a whole other element to the festival. To be able to have a large-scale festival in an urban uh, park is pretty unique. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and to have it with camping is even more unique. So, you know, we think uh, Shelby Farms Park is, is completely, you know, built and engineered for camping and you know being outdoors and 
Uh, there's so many activities out there to enjoy from zip lining to horseback riding, kayaking, canoeing, you know, fishing. Sure. So we think that, you know, for anyone coming in to this festival, there's going to be a lot of activities beyond just catching the music and eating some great food. That's right. And so while the festival itself is Saturday and Sunday, I think camping's open from Friday to Monday. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. So if you're planning on camping or coming, you can actually come in and get set up Friday night. So you can actually get three nights of camping at Shelby Farms Park, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So let's talk a little bit about the lineup. Uh, at the top of the lineup, we have people, we've got Beck, we've got Phoenix, uh, Post Malone, Nas, then also a lot of uh, great Memphis artists, both new and old. We've got uh, on the newer side, people like Taliba Sophia and Corey Brannon, um, contemporaries like Juicy J and Project Pat, but also folks like Don Bryant, the Bo Keys, the Barquets. So oh. a really eclectic mix. Well, how about Big Ass Truck and Lucero? And Big Ass Truck and Lucero, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, um, yeah, tell me a bit about just making the lineup, how that process works, and then also specifically about finding the local artists you want to involve in the show. So those are great questions. Um, you know, we take a lot of pride in, in the curation of the program. Um, it really starts the day after the festival sure. uh, is concluded. And I think it's a, it's a process that we, you know, spend a lot of hours. There's a team of us. Mm -hmm. um, I try to pick folks that I not only admire their, their musical taste, but there's a little bit of divergence there. Right. And so I think that, that uh, you know, putting, you know, different tastes into a blender sometimes can produce some really unique flavors. And, and so, you know, my baseline is the music has to be great. So mm -hmm. we start with that. If it's great music, because uh, I'm a fan of music in general, all genres of music. Sure. Um, you know, I grew up here in Memphis listening to a lot of classic rock mm -hmm. um, and going to the old music festival at the fairgrounds. Right. You know, Molly Hatchet and all that kind of stuff was awesome back in the day. Jethro Tull and I mean, on and on and on. So, um, you know, we want to start with a, um, you know, a baseline here that's great music. We want to make sure we include uh, a platforming and, and, and develop a platform for all the Memphis artists here. There's so much great music here locally in Memphis. We really want to support those local artists. So it's kind of a barbell approach. You start with the local, right? And then you go all the way up to the headliner. Right. Uh, obviously, you know, you want the headliners to be relevant today mm -hmm. uh, in some form or fashion. Um, you know, we went with Post Malone and Beck. Uh, we were really excited to get Post Malone back to Memphis. Absolutely. Obviously, he had a, a great success here at Bill Street Music Festival. And Jim Holt and that crew did a great job programming mm -hmm. this year. So hats off to them. Um, but Post Malone is arguably the hottest artist today in America. Sure, you know, sure. His albums are breaking Michael Jackson records, you know, Thriller and others. Right. It's, you know, you got to pay attention to see what's going on there. And he appeals to a broad range of audiences, both old and, and younger audiences. Uh, he's a real crossover artist in many respects. I, yeah. mean, I think if he could pick up a guitar or, you know, do the Americana thing or country thing, he could do it. Yeah, you know? that's um, exactly right. Um, you know, of course, you've got Beck. On, on Saturday night uh, as the headliner. Beck's been around for a long time, although he seems timeless and ageless. It certainly does, but yeah. He's uh, been winning Grammys since the, the mid-90s. Right. So we're really excited about the headliners, um, but there's so much in between, too. Um, but the curation process, just to get back on that point, uh, there's a team of us. We spend countless hours going through it. Uh, everybody weighs in. It's a little bit like making a mixtape. Mm -hmm. So... You know, you've heard mixtapes before where all of a sudden you're like, well, what's that doing in there? Right, right. You know, that's, that's kind of off. So we want the flow. We want to have the buildup and, you know, the peaks and valleys throughout the day. We have 14 hours of continuous music, both Saturday wow. and Sunday, starting at 11 o'clock. 
all the way till 2.30 in the morning when the late night sessions end. So it's going to be, you know, full day, two full days of music, no doubt Drink about it. Drink water, people. Drink some water. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I was very impressed both last year and this year with what we were speaking on, the, diverse, the diversity of it and just big names that are also somehow not obscure, of course, uh, big, but a bit more niche. I mean, you're Mac DeMarco's. And oh, you're, yeah. You know, the way well, he's the indie of Prince. That ex- oh, excuse me, the, the, the Prince, Prince of, of indie rock. Exactly, that exactly. So uh, I've had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times, and uh, he's a total character. I mean, complete clown. He's just really funny and uh, doesn't take himself too serious, but he you know, makes great music. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's really a great live show and performance. He's definitely one of the ones I'm most excited about. Um, so I read in the flyer, once again, you said you're a native Memphian. You've, you're now living in, are you still in Connecticut? Is that I'm correct? I'm in Connecticut, just outside, just outside of New York, about an hour outside of New York. Um, you know, I get back here very frequently, obviously, you know, putting this festival together, you got to be here local. So I spent a lot of time here in Memphis now, which is exciting. I came back to Memphis a couple of summers ago and was on a bike ride out at, uh, at Shelby Farms Park. We were on the Green Line. We ended up at Shelby Farms Park. Was completely blown away by the redevelopment there. Mm-hmm. And it sort of made me fall in love with Memphis all over again. I was checking out the city, reconnecting with old friends, and you know, I had the idea of putting this together. Really just being there, watching the sunset on Hyde Lake. Very cool. So there's the Genesis story. Yeah, that, that right was, there. No, it was a bike ride on the Green Line and ended up, you know, with the sunset on Hyde Lake. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, and they have done a great job over there. It's, it's, it's oh, a uh, wonderful location. Jen Andrews it. and Natalie Wilson, that whole team out there is just uh, top notch, really. Absolutely. It's, uh, uh, it's we, all Memphians should be proud of that team and what they've done out there. Yeah, agreed. So I was reading in the uh, flyer that you first started doing concerts sometime in your 20s with uh, house shows. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, uh, I've, I've been a big fan of, of music. Uh, as grown up here in Memphis, you're surrounded by it and, and you know, catching BB King on Beale street, sure. um, you know, seeing RL Burnside and all the Delta bluesmen, mm-hmm. you know, doing their thing it was really impactful. Obviously catching lots of concerts at the Mid-South Coliseum. Right. Right. Catching Prince at the Mid-South Coliseum. Good. Bruce Springsteen at the Mid-South ACDC. I mean, I can go on and on. Sure. So it was always kind of in me. Um, and I was living here in the early 90s mm-hmm. um, and had a place down on Wagner, down near Beale Street, um, overlooking the bluff and uh, Tom Lee Park. And, of course, Beale Street Music Festival would come around. Right. So we'd have a you know, party or two. <laughs> I was in my early 20s. I just graduated college and uh, was back here living here. And we were having a grand old time. Um, but, yeah, we used to have uh, little house parties. And, you know, we'd have Blues Traveler in my garage or... You know, some of the Watchbread Panda guys or, you know, like I said, a lot of these local Memphis artists collaborating with them. Yeah, that's you know, awesome. Bobby Sheehan, the bass player at the time for Blues Traveler, playing with Arnold Burnside in my garage. Wow. was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. that's very cool. And was that the last time up until now that you'd done anything like that? Or has that? Yeah, and that wasn't yeah. anything really sure. formal. But uh, Although most people don't have Blues Traveler and Arnold Burnside <laughs> in their garage. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that was kind of a unique deal. That's yeah. right. Uh, but that was really cool. Um no, you know, I, I went to New York. I left in the mid-90s, Memphis in 96, and I went to work in finance uh, in mm-hmm. New York City. And, um, you know, I ended up being there for, for many years and then eventually moved to Connecticut uh, with my wife and now three kids. Um, so, no, I, I uh, you know, I've always been a consumer of music. Cons- right. I've uh, been a patron of live music festivals. I've gotten to know a lot of the promoters around the country just because of, you know, various uh, networks and, and people that I've been introduced to over the years. Um, so this was really an inspirational kind of passion. It started out as a kind of a passion project for me because, 
uh, it's pretty rare that you get to come back to your hometown and actually do something that may impact it in a positive way. Sure. And it's been many years since I've, I've lived here. Um, but, you know, once you grow up in Memphis, you're always got Memphis in your heart. That's you're right. You're going to it forever. Absolutely. Well, we're so glad that you did come back. And uh, congratulations again on the festival. It's a great one. One more quick question before I let you go is kind of what you were touching on, going to other festivals. Myself, I've done some. And, yeah, it seemed like I could at least uh, got the sense that you had taken some of the best element. Uh, I've done Jazz Fest plenty of times. Yeah. And Mempho has that culinary aspect right. kind of celebrating the culinary culture of Memphis along with the music culture and then doing it in a park rather than the horse, which is a great right, move. Right. God loved jazz well, fest, but it gets brutal. But uh, yeah. yeah, was that part of the process was kind of nitpicking things you liked about festivals around the country and yeah. So before I get into that, it, you know, to get my wife to come to a music festival, <laughs> I, had to, I had to make it very comfortable. That's right. So uh, maybe that was the genesis mm. of it. But no, I look, I, I'm 50 years old, not afraid to admit it, turned 50 uh, July 30th. And uh, I've logged a lot of miles at music festivals and live events. And, you know, I just have a, uh, a real strong view that, hey, you know, fans pay a lot of money to come to these festivals. Um, we know that tickets aren't cheap. Um, you try to make them as affordable as possible. You try to create discounts and deals, you know, for students and others. We've got a two-for-one deal for students and folks that uh, um, link to the military, both past and present. But at the end of the day, you, you really, I think, have to develop something that's a great experience. It can't be just about music on the stage. Right, you right. Know? Um, you know, going and catching a, a, a festival or a concert, you know, in the middle of a field somewhere, Okay, that's that's one experience. Uh, seeing it in a parking lot mm-hmm. on the concrete is another experience. Um, but having uh, the creature comforts there, you know, we always say we want our general mission to feel like VIP, right? right. And we want to have an elevated VIP and, a, and super VIP experience. We want to have the best flavors and tastes of that locale. So here in Memphis, uh, showcasing all the great uh, culinary uh, aspects of Memphis from. Uh, Karen Carrier, who's you know been around and started Automatic Slims and has the beauty shop and DKDC, DKDC which sure. I heard was going off last time. I'm so upset I missed that. Uh, Luther, Luther and Cody Dickinson yeah. were there doing the, the selfish. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm so bummed I missed that one. But uh, Karen, if you're listening, text me next time. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that you know, um, introducing. Um, you know, other elements, of course, being in a park setting like that where you're in the middle of a city, but, you, right. but you're in a park and you've got the green space and you have access to all those activities there. Makes a huge it difference. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. So, you know, I've been to the Coachella's, I've been to Lala and ACL and, you know, a lot of festivals, you know, really around the, the, the globe. And uh, it's always strikes me that the ones that really think about the fan and pay attention to the details. Mm-hmm whether it's the, the visuals, the art, the food, the accessibility, the ease to get in and out. It, you know, it's, it's a hospitality business at the end of the day. That's you know, right. It's a service business. You've got fans paying you money to come see uh, your show. Mm-hmm. And so treat them like you know, the guests that they sh- should be, you know, treated like, um, you know, a five-star hotel or a four-star hotel. Like right, you go right. to one of those and you're paying a lot of money, you expect to, to, to get, you know, great service and so service is key yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd certainly give you all credit on that. At least judging oh, from the one you. day, honestly, it, it was one of the better festival experiences I've had just oh, that's great. because of that company. Great to hear. It almost didn't feel like it. It almost felt like a big private party. It, it really did. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So uh, before we wrap it up, just open up the floor, let people know how to get tickets um, and any other relevant information you want to put out there. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I think just uh, go to memphofest.com. There's tons of information there. Uh, there's plenty of ways to work your way into the show for free. So mm-hmm. there's volunteer programs. Um, you know, the, the cost of the ticket should never be a barrier to get in. There's particularly if you're younger and you're, uh, you know, at a student or uh, there's, there's just a lot of ways to, to get there uh, and make it affordable. You've got all the different uh, options on tickets at memphofest.com, um, camping options, et cetera. So that's really the best place to get all your information. Gotcha. So once again, memphofest.com. Yeah. Gotcha. October 6th, and the 7th, that's a Saturday and Sunday. Make sure you go. It really is one of the premier, if not the premier festivals in Memphis in the Mid-South. Great lineup. Um, also, Diego was kind enough to give us some tickets. We'll be promoting that on Facebook. So check out our Facebook. Just look up Memphis Musicology, the page on Facebook, and I'll give you further instructions soon. So that being said, Diego, I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank it's you for pleasure, man. Thank you for your time. And hey, everybody out in Memphis, come out and support. It's, this is really uh, uh, for the community, and we want the community to support it, to get behind it. Over time, there will be more and more people coming to Memphis to check this out. We have already have a, a large percentage of, of the ticket buyers to date are coming from out of town, so we're really excited about that. It's a short drive to a lot of universities around uh, right, this region, right. so we think we're going to have uh, you know, a nice turnout that weekend. October is the best month of the year in Memphis, as yeah, far as I'm why. concerned, weather-wise. I agree, man. So I it's agree. great energy. So come on out, support your hometown, support this festival, and uh, look forward to seeing you. If you see me out there, come say hi. Sounds great. All, All right, right, Diego. Thanks again, man. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. So as you know, this podcast is a product of the Memphis Rock and Soul Museum. But what you may not be aware of is that we also operate a second museum, the Memphis Music Hall of Fame. So just a little info on us. Uh, The Memphis Music Hall of Fame began, I believe, in 2012 as just a ceremony. There was no museum attached, but inducted an inaugural class of a whopping 25. And then each year after, we've added about six or seven new inductees annually. So as I mentioned at the top, last week we announced this year's inductees, and uh, I'm going to take a quick moment to go through each one and give you a little bit of their bio, just uh, give you some context. So our first 28 inductee is a man named Olanda Draper, who I honestly was not familiar with, although a lot of my friends were, but the more I read about him, the more impressed I was. Um, Draper was perhaps the most influential choir leader of his generation, he first got involved with gospel music as a student here at uh, Memphis's Overton High School, of course, that great performing arts school, where he joined the Glee Club and began writing his own gospel songs. So Draper, we went on to study at the University of Memphis and actually became the university's choir director. So after graduation, at just the age of 22, Draper formed his first choir as, um, called the Olanda Draper and the Associates. I believe they started with about a dozen, but that choir quickly grew to 60 members, a pretty massive choir. So during the 90s, Draper and the Associates became extremely popular um, within the gospel world, produced several hit albums, 
uh, countless singles. They performed for three presidents. And they even backed Billy Joel on that massive 1994 hit song, River of Dreams. Not only were they on the song, they were in the video and performed on the Grammys with him as well, which gave them a, you know, a massive amount of publicity for a community um, choir. So the group's popularity was really a product of Draper himself. He was known as a really charismatic and energetic leader. And he also had this ability to blend contemporary with the traditional. His music had kind of an R&B uh, hip-hop vibe with also being pretty steeped in traditional gospel music. And it really made him popular. So during the 90s, Draper was awarded with a Grammy Award, a Dove Award, and a Stellar Award, both of which those latter two are pretty much gives you a hat trick in gospel music, some of the biggest awards in the genre. In 98, Draper was also named one of the country's 10 best choir directors. But tragically, that same year, Draper died unexpectedly at the age of just 34 years old. Um, despite dying so young, he really left behind an incredible legacy, um, especially considering his age, but just changed the game in the 90s, really helped put on a lot of gospel artists who went on to become huge themselves. So anyway, today I want to take a quick listen to Draper's song, I Got a Feeling, which was one of the biggest hits of his career, and also really a great example of his unique style. So this particular version was recorded live, and I think it really gives you a sense of the energy that he and his choir brought. So here's Draper with I Got a Feeling. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Come on. second inductee this year is a group we actually uh, discussed on the last episode, which was the one all about punk rock. So if you want to learn more about them, revisit that episode. I'm talking about the Rock and Roll Trio. As you may remember, that was the band composed of brothers Dorsey and Johnny Burnett, along with guitarist Paul Burleson. So although they never gained much fame or fortune, uh, they're really without a doubt one of the most influential rockabilly groups in history. And they really played a giant part in the development of hard rock as well, especially um, due to their use of distortion. 
a lot of people think that Burleson was the very first person to intentionally use guitar distortion, which of course, hugely important in the genre. Um, so before, cause we covered them last week, we're going to move on to the next inductee, but just, uh, remember if you're a fan of rockabilly or even kind of proto punk band like the Stooges, I think you'll definitely dig them. So moving on, our third inductee this year is Eddie Floyd, that stack soulman who produced the classic track knock on wood. But as I've learned, Eddie Floyd was actually much more than a one hit wonder. Uh, Floyd began his music career in Detroit back in the 50s with the vocal group The Falcons. And that group also included Wilson Pickett and Sir Mac Rice's members. So a hell of a lineup. Um, He arrived at Stax in the early 60s, I think 63, as a songwriter and a backing vocalist. And he quickly formed a partnership with Steve Cropper of Booker T and the MGs. So together, uh, Eddie Floyd and Steve Cropper... The two went on to write hit songs for nearly every artist on the Stax roster, including Carla and Rufa Thomas, Otis Redding, Johnny Taylor, and Sam and Dave. Um, he even actually, Wilson Pickett, when Wilson Pickett came through Stax, Eddie Floyd wrote one of his biggest hits. The song 6345789 was written for Wilson Pickett, reunited about a decade later. So Floyd's big break as a solo artist didn't occur until 1966, and even that took a bit of luck. So here's a quick quote from Eddie. Quote, Steve Cropper and I set out to write a song about superstition. You know, good luck. We were were writing it at the Lorraine Mattel in 1966 in Memphis. While we were trying to come up with the song, there was this huge thunder and bright lightning. That's how I came up with the line, like thunder, lightning, the way I love you is frightening. So it became a love song. End quote. So as they, as they often did with the new song, Eddie and Booker T and the MGs went to the studio to uh, cut a demo version of the song, which was actually intended for Otis Redding. But when Atlanta Records president Jerry Wexler heard the demo of Knock on Wood, he convinced Stax owner Jim Stewart to release it as an Eddie Floyd single rather than to give it to Otis. Um, I think that Jim Stewart pushed back a little bit, but he ultimately comp- uh, complied and Of course, Wexler's instincts proved to be right, and Floyd had the number one song in the country. So after Knock on Wood, he followed it up with a slate of other great songs, uh, many of which hit the top 40, but of course, Knock on Wood will always be his calling card. Let's take a listen to that signature track. fourth Memphis Music Hall of Fame inductee this year. It joins a small group of non-musicians who nonetheless left a huge impact on the city's musical landscape. So for decades, Mr. George George Klein has been the undisputed king of Memphis music media, interviewing almost every musician to spring out of this city for the last 60 years or so. Klein began his broadcasting career alongside the legendary DJ Dewey Phillips back in the 1950s, 
And he became one of the nation's earliest rock and roll DJs and was from the beginning a huge advocate for the new and dangerous style emerging out of Memphis. So when his station manager uh, told him that rock and roll was a passing fad and that the station would be switching formats, Klein was let go. But fortunately, his high school buddy named Elvis Presley hired him on the spot. And for the next year at least, George hit the road with the king. Um, he appeared in Elvis films, including Jailhouse Rock, and the two quickly became best friends. Uh, best men at each other's weddings, George Klein... Uh, accepted the award for Elvis's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's just dear, dear friends throughout their lives. Anyway, in the 1960s, Klein began working as a television host for a program called Talent Party, which was essentially a local version of American Bandstand. So as the host, Klein gave countless up-and-coming garage bands their first big break, leading many people to claim that he was essentially solely responsible for the whole legendary 60s garage scene in Memphis. Klein was also the very first person in Memphis to book a black artist on television, beginning with Fats Domino. So Klein eventually returned to radio and also hosted his own local television show called Memphis Sounds with George Klein, where he interviewed everyone from Justin Timberlake to Teeny Hodges to Isaac Hayes and on and on. The real question, of course, is whether he ever won a podcast award. I didn't think so. Checkmate, GK. Anyway, uh, really a great a great addition. I'm glad George Klein made it in. Our fifth inductee this year, our only the second hip-hop act to ever be inducted in the Hall of Fame behind 3-6 Mafia. I'm talking about 8-Ball and MJG, that great duo of Primrose Smith and Marlon Jermaine Goodwin. They first hit the scene in the late 80s, back when the South was basically the wild, wild west of rap music. Um, they were really at the, at the forefront of that scene. In 1993, the duo released their debut album, Coming Out Hard, which is now considered one of the most seminal Southern rap albums of all time. Um, that album and 8-Ball and MJG, it really, in a very, very real way, laid out a blueprint for an entire generation of rappers that came after them. Um, their style was pretty much, they laid down these gritty, true crime tales over really lo-fi yet soulful beats did a lot of sampling from old stacks records so you had that nice juxtaposition of kind of the the sweet and sour so as eight ball recalled in an interview quote eight ball and mjg was the soul, soulful side of memphis and three six mafia was the mad younger side end quote so yeah they kind of chose that lane to live in the the memphis music tradition a little bit more and way throughout the 90s the group continued to release classic tracks and albums and played a huge role in bringing attention to Southern hip-hop alongside groups like Outkast and the Ghetto Boys. So in the 2000s, the group really started to get major national attention with uh, singles like You Don't Want Drama and Relax and Take Notes, and of course that guest appearance on 3-6 Mafia smash hit Stay Fly. So the group, they, they remain active to the day, still putting out music, still performing. They are now signed to T.I.'s Grand Hustle label. Anyway, I'm, I was excited to see them join uh, definitely two that I grew up listening to, so proud of them. Anyway, before we move on, I'm going to take a listen to the group's track coming out hard, which was, of course, on that debut album of the same name. Eight ball will come out hard with the gangster lean. Go 
Joe smile for the women that be jocking the green. I'm a pimpster, not a trick on a stroll. You gotta pimp that thing and keep a trick on hold. Stay on top of the world with a gun in your hand. Take control of a woman and fear no man. It be hard for me to see a day without cash. If you got it and I don't, I'll blast your ass with the quickness. Because the pimp don't play. I gotta work on my game and think of ways to get paid. Born in the mound, down deep in the south. So our sixth inductee, uh, inductees, much like Eddie Floyd, are largely defined by one major song, although their story and influence goes much deeper. So the Box Tops were a blue-eyed soul rock band from the 1960s, led by cult icon Alex Chilton, the man who would go on to form Big Star a few years later. So at the time, Alex Chilton was only a 16-year-old, but even then his voice had a kind of wizened gruffness to it that really made him stand out among his contemporaries. So the Box Tops kind of started off as uh, different members from different garage bands. I'm sure that they owed some of that success to George Klein as well. Anyway, they first started recording at Chip's Mom- Chip Moman's American Studio. And the very first single they cut, a little song called The Letter, rocketed to the top of the charts in 1967, which actually surprisingly made them the very first Memphis band with a number one hit. So the song went on to be named Billboard's Song of the Year and remains a classic. So following the massive success of the letter, the group released several more singles, including the number two hit Cry Like a Baby. But by the 1970s, the members of the Box Tops has started to part ways to pursue their own careers. But the music that they made during that brief period of time remains some of the best blue-eyed soul music of the decade. Let's take a listen to the song that put the Box Tops and Alex Chilton on the map for the first time. This is them with The Letter. Give me a ticket for an aeroplane Ain't got time to take a fast train Lonely days are gone, I'm a-going home My baby has wrote me a letter I don't care how much money I gotta spare Got to get back to my baby Lonely days are gone, I'm a-going home All right, our seventh and final inductee for this year needs no introduction because she is probably the greatest singer of all time. Yes, Ms. Aretha Franklin, finally at home in the Memphis Music Hall of Fame. So I understand that a lot of you probably out there is yelling at your your phones, your radio, saying, how the hell did Aretha just now get in? Understandable, but remember that she left the city when she was barely able to walk. But that being said, obviously an amazing addition. I'm so proud she made it in. So because she's one of the most iconic and beloved musicians of all time, I'm going to go ahead and assume you know the basics of Aretha's career, so I won't be going too deep into it today, but 
If you want to learn more about the album that she did make partially in Memphis and with lots of Memphis musicians, go back and check out our episode entitled Under the Covers, which has a rundown of that album. But because I'll never uh, pass up an opportunity to play an Aretha track, let's go ahead and listen to one of my all-time favorites from her. This is the Queen of Soul with her 1970 track, Spirit in the Dark. Getting the spirit in the dark. I'm getting the spirit in the dark. Keep on moving. Oh, you've been grooving. Just getting the spirit in the dark. So there you have it, your 2018 Memphis Music Hall of Fame class. Uh, We'll be inducting all seven new members at our annual induction ceremony, which will be held at the Cannon Center on Thursday, November 1st. Really encourage everyone out there to get tickets. They are available now, and I I really, really think it's one of Memphis's premier musical events. Always a great time, always a lot of great um, performances, a lot of great speeches, just a really huge, fun, intimate celebration. With that being said, let's head over to the crate to sift through some of the best and most dynamic albums in Memphis music history. So that was one of the newest Memphis Music Hall of Fame inductees, Eddie Floyd, with his track My Mind Was Messed Around at the Time, from his 1971 album Down to Earth. Down to Earth, as you probably suspected, is the subject of today's segment. So I actually discovered the album Down to Earth as I was researching Eddie Floyd, and I have to tell you, when I first played it, it was a bit jarring to hear something just so different, grittier, more rock-oriented than anything I'd heard from Floyd specifically, but kind of from Stax Records more generally. So that album was recorded in 1971 when Floyd was 34 years old. He had already spent the better part of a decade at Stax, and this was one of his later albums with the label. As with so much of his music, uh, this album was assisted throughout by guitarist Steve Cropper, who really lays down some of the raunchiest guitar riffs of his career on this one. So unlike almost everything else being produced at Sex at the time, Down to Earth is really heavy and muscular and flexes on you a lot. And also delves into psychedelia, kind of these extended southern rock jams, and even a little bit of this electrified gospel. Um, 
it's definitely Floyd's most ambitious and bold album. And unfortunately, as, as so often happens, it ended up pretty much perplexing the radio, uh, excuse me, the record buying public. So the album never really took off, but certainly, uh, certainly worth a listen today. And I think it really shows off the deep artistry he possessed. Um, not to mention, he just sings his ass off throughout. So there's several highlights on the album, including the opening track, which is this really funky reinterpretation of Curtis Mayfield's People Get Ready. There's also a song called Linda Sue Dixon, which is this blues rock banger about a woman whose initials just happen to be LSD. Now, if that seems subtle or maybe I'm reading into it, then just know that there's a line that says, quote, you're like LSD to me, which takes away any doubt that Eddie Floyd actually made a love song about acid. Um... Even the, the song we heard at the top, or that we're hearing now in the background, my mind was messed around at the time, makes some not-so-subtle references to drug use, which is, of course, not something that was overly taboo in the 70s, but certainly strange for a Stax release. Unfortunately, that album is hard to track down today, uh, at least finding it online, but with some effort, you can find some key tracks, and I certainly encourage you to. There are a lot of, a lot of really cool, interesting, different gems on that album. Today, I'm going to finish up with a gospel and a rock infused track called when the sun goes down which is definitely one of my favorites i've heard from the album i want to tell you about my baby oh yeah now when the sun goes down Just feel you in my arms right now. Baby, please come back home. You see, I love you. I want you. I need you. I love you. Baby, come on. Come on. Before we wrap things up, I do want to thank the good folks at Arts Memphis and the Genium Foundation for their generous support of the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Memphis Musicology wherever you get your podcast, and be sure to tell a friend about us. Also, a big thanks to Diego Weingartner of the Memphis Music Festival for joining me as well. It was great talking to him. And once again, keep your eyes open. We will be giving away some free tickets to that show, Memphis. Don't want to miss it. That being said, let's wrap things up. Uh, We're going to jump on the monorail to head over to the Mud Island Mixtape to add yet another song to the list. (music) 
All right, today on the Mud Island Mixtape, I want to play a song from an artist that you'll be able to see at Mempho. And if you're there and get the chance to see her, I encourage you not to miss it. Taliba Sophia is a Memphian who recently returned to the Bluff City after living in New York for a few years. And I've had the pleasure of seeing her perform a couple times this past year, including a recent tribute to Isaac Hayes at the Memphis Music Hall of Fame. And uh, she very well may be my favorite new artist on the scene. Incredible stage presence, incredible songwriting, incredible vocals, so much energy, uh, just a beautiful spirit. So yeah, check out Taliba Sophia. So today I want to play a recent song from her. It's just released about a month, month and a half ago called Sweet Heat Melody. Anyway, enjoy. I'll catch y'all next time. And once again, keep your eyes open for those tickets. to the podcast.